This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. All right, good evening. We continue our study in Colossians tonight in chapter 2, but before we get into, uh, uh, we'll specifically be in chapter 2, 11 through the rest of the chapter, verse 23. But before we do that, I, <clears throat> I feel that we have to back up a little bit to sort of uh, get our bearings, right? <clears throat> because, you know, we're halfway through chapter 2, is kind of, kind of almost in the middle of the book. <clears throat> And um, <clears throat> all right, I think we're good. <laughs> I'll probably regret that, but here we go. So what I want to do is back up to chapter one and look at starting at verse nine. We've had a we've had a a. a what I would call kind of a typical or standard uh, introduction by Paul to the first through verse uh, through a few verses there, and in verse nine in chapter one, he comes with this kind of a uh, almost like a thesis, if you will, for much of the book, and what that is is your status in Christ. And that status is this fullness, this wholeness. You are, ultimately, he comes to say, complete in Christ. And that you're not lacking anything in Christ. So if I was to read verse 9, For this reason also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, not some, not part, not a little, not most, but all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may <clears throat> walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, not partially pleasing Him with this knowledge, but completely pleasing Him with this knowledge. Being fruitful, not in some good works or in most good works even, but in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with, not some might, not most might, but all might, right? You saw it coming, right, that time? Right. All might, according to his glorious power. For how much patience? All patience. Are you picking up on the theme? All patience. All patience, long-suffering, with joy, uh, giving thanks to the Father. And verse 14, um, talking about the kingdom of His Son, of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the blood of Christ, the forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins. You're in the kingdom of the Son, of His love. You have redemption. And all of that, what we said before, you are complete. This is your status. This is your state. This is how you exist in Christ. <clears throat> what, what else do you need? 
The heresy, as it's often referred to in Colossians, is this bringing in to the church of these outside ideas as if what we have in Christ isn't quite enough. It's not all there. It's, it's good. There's some good stuff in there. In fact, you may hear about that, you know, today. It's, it hasn't stopped in the last two millennia. It hasn't stopped the notion of, yeah, you know, the, you know, you got some good stuff there, but let me also introduce you to this. Or let me, let me help you uh, supplement what your understanding is in, this, in the scriptures with something outside of the scriptures. Or let's, uh, let's tweak that. Let's, let's take those good ideas, but they're a little old-fashioned, and let's modernize them. Or let's, let's, let's soup them up, right? Right, Chris, we can get in there, we can put a blower on that, and we can just really ramp that horsepower up. No. No, you've got it all already. That's what he's saying. And to move on from that, he's going to back that up with more fullness ideas. First, he's going to start with the, the reason that you can have all this is because of God's power in Christ who is complete. Christ himself is complete. He is the head over all. He, is, he has preeminence. He is the image of the invisible God himself, firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, not most things, not a lot of things, but all the things, all things that were created, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Right? All things were created through him. And nothing that was created, John writes, uh, was created apart from him. All things were created. Whether visible or invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things. And in him all things consist, and he is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning of the firstborn of the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. So you pick up on this fullness of Christ. Christ has all the power. He has all the authority. He has all the, the preeminence. There is, no other, <laughs> there, there is no other authority. In him all the fullness should dwell. By him to reconcile all things to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Verse 22, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight, circling back around to your situation now, because Jesus has the power and the authority to do that. Now he's going to move in to, uh, in the uh, last portion of chapter 1 there, the fullness of the knowledge and the mystery and the wisdom that's in Christ. Remember, everything is in Christ. We are in Christ. Christ is full and complete. All things are complete in Him, <clears throat> including wisdom and knowledge. You're not missing out on anything by sticking in Christ. 
verse 26, he refers to the mystery, which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. Now the mystery has been revealed. We're getting, we're getting, we're getting into it. All right, this is interesting, right? I mean, if you're into liking knowledge and, and wisdom and unraveling mysteries, then, you know, yours are perking up. Okay, this what has been revealed to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles which is Christ in you the hope of glory so in a nutshell that's the this is the grand mystery is that somehow as impossible as it would seem that Christ in whom is, you know, all of this fullness, all of this authority, all of this just unending power is in you. And Paul says, him we preach. You want to talk about knowledge? We, we're, we're, I'm telling you something. I'm giving you information. I'm giving you knowledge. I'm teaching you wisdom. We preach Jesus, warning every man, and we teach every man. I'm teaching Jesus in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. In chapter 2, we had a, a, a great study on that last week. Um, I'm not going to reiterate really anything in there, but <clears throat> attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. What are you lacking? You feel like you're missing out on some knowledge? You're not. You feel like, well, you know, that'll get me so far, but I'd like to advance beyond that. You won't. Is there an advanced, you know, status I can get into where I have all of this plus? No, there isn't a Jesus plus program. You know, you may, be in, you may have signed up for, for Walmart plus or for some other, you know, it comes with Paramount Plus, I believe, or you can maybe, you know, there's a Disney Plus. There is no Jesus Plus. Jesus is the complete package. Now, all the way through here, he's sprinkling in um, these warnings, and there's four of them, and they're largely really the, the same warning that we run over, uh, over and over again. This warning of uh, keep up with this, which is the truth. Uh, hold fast to it. Don't let somebody trick you to get to come off the rails and you know just just have a, a train wreck of uh, a result from this. Let's see where's my some of my pages look similar. Now, it's in chapter 123, if indeed you continue in the faith, he's talking about you're, you're holy, you're blameless, you're above reproach in Jesus. If, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel. 
He says, you, you, you've known this. He says, Epiphras has, has taught you this gospel. Hold fast to that. Don't, don't wander away. Don't stray from this truth. Continue in it. In chapter 2, verse 4, Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. Don't be deceived. Don't be tricked. Don't let somebody come in and start telling you, and he's got really good speech, and he's, got, he's making really good points. And, you know, if I'm listening to him right and following him right, he, he, seems, he seems to make sense. It just, it just seems to make sense. You know, those timeshares up in Branson, they seem to make a lot of sense when you're sitting there, you know, across the table from those people. Um, but I'm not so sure that they, they really always do make as much sense as they, they put them out to be. Yet salesmen are good at that. Verse, uh, chapter, chapter 2, verse 8. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. And he's going to pull this, this principles of the world thing back again. A lot of how Paul writes here, you know, I don't want to spend too much time because we've got some really good stuff to get into. Um, yeah, let's go ahead and move on to that. One more warning from what we'll be in tonight. Verse 18 of chapter 2. Let no one cheat you of your reward, meaning to take it away. You've been cheated of something, you had it, and they cheated you out of it. You know, I, I traded baseball cards when I was a kid. Um, I, still, I, I guess they still have a little place in my heart. You know, some of the old ones, like, you know, I'm sure I actually have a Mickey Mantle card. Um, but uh, it's a Mickey Mantle, oh, is that, it's a, it's a two-person card, so it's not worth, you know, thousands of dollars or anything like that. Maybe not even worth hundreds of dollars, but I like some of those old, old cards and all the tradition of, of baseball. Um, and when I traded some of these in, in my youth, uh, I made some bad trades. You know, somebody knew something <laughs> that I didn't know, right? And I, I made a trade, and before you know it, I had lost net, net worth. <laughs> uh, sometimes my kids do the same thing, right? I mean, I, I got one back there, might trade with something right over there and be like, well, no, no. <laughs> We're, well, I'm, I'm pulling the, the, uh, the father veto, and uh, that trade is unwinding right now because that's just cheating one another out of something. And Paul is writing, hey, beware lest anyone cheats you out of your reward. Now, this is a very dire, very serious kind of cheating as opposed to just losing, you know, a few, few bucks on baseball cards. Because what reward are we talking about here? We're, we're talking about your hope in Jesus, right? Your eternal salvation. This is the reward that Paul is talking about. And he's warning them that pay attention. Don't be cheated out of this. And he, I mean, he even begins um, chapter 2 with kind of a, an emotional 
transparency, right? I want you to know, he says, what great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea and for as many as those who have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged and knit together. And I say this, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. He's, he's concerned about the church there, right? He's really concerned, deeply concerned. He's not like, yeah, they, y'all should probably look out for this. This is, this is really weighing on Paul. Have you ever noticed that we like to um, take things and uh, maybe, you know, mix and match, make our own? I mean, sometimes it's nice to get one product that does everything, you know? But we, uh, we bought some software uh, at work uh, some time ago, and we integrated it all in, it to, it together, and it's supposed to do everything, right? Other times, <laughs> sometimes the best thing to do is to say, well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take a little bit from there. I'll take a piece of software that will handle my accounting, and I'll take some different software that will handle financials and reporting, and I'll take some other software that may handle uh, human resources. Um, but sometimes we like, to, we like to feel like I'm optimizing my experience or my life or whatever aspect uh, we want to by not just going with the, uh, the, the best seller, right? You've got the best seller out there. Maybe it's the Honda Accord or maybe it's a house in a particular neighborhood or whatever, or maybe it's a particular uh, clothing store or uh, electronic product. You're like, oh, I'm, I'm just, I'm going all in on that one. But sometimes people are like, yeah, but I find, and if you're really smart, if you're in the know, they're like, yeah, you know, they're, they're really strong in this area, but they're a little weak over here. And so this other product is really strong in that area. So I'm going to supplement this one. And I'm going to pull these things together. You know, I, our, our family, my wife, she does this with our homeschool, you know. So we don't get just like the homeschool curriculum that has everything in it that we could ever possibly want. We, we kind of take from different spots. Like for our history, we do not grass, not grass history. And for science, we really like apologia, right? It's a different company. Or for uh, math, we do teaching textbooks. And so we're, we're pulling these different things together because we feel like, you know, hey, if you want history, not grass, they are the history people, right? And apologia, they are the science people. And if you, if you like them, you like them, you know? And so you, you, you pull all these together and you, you get the, the homeschool curriculum that, that works for you and for your kids and for your family. Or maybe it's, uh, you know, maybe it's... Um, home, you know, just, just household environment stuff. Like I, you've got, you say, okay, for the cars or for our vehicles, we're going to buy Toyota vehicles, right? And we're going to use Apple electronics and I'm going to use Bosch appliances, right? And so I'm, I'm getting the best of the best and I'm putting them together under one house, one roof to give me the, the, the premium experience, Right? And maybe, maybe I kind of like being a little bit more premium than my neighbors, right? It's like, okay, they, they, yeah, if they understood 
they probably wouldn't go with that particular brand of whatever. You know, they, they would, you know. And that's what kind of Paul is, is, is warning them. Don't let somebody come in and, and tell you that, that you need to do that with, with Christ. That you need to, well, Christ is really strong with the forgiveness, but he's a little weak on, the, on all the mechanics. So let's, let's sort of bolster that up with some, you know, some uh, Gnosticism or some, you know, maybe some Jewish laws or Jewish traditions or something like that. It says don't do that. Because we wrote going into the passage today, in verse 10, it says you are complete in him. You are complete. You're not lacking anything. Everything you got in Christ is full. You're full. In him, in Jesus, in Christ, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. By putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. All right, let's, let's pause there. In him you are also circumcised with the circumcision made without hand. So quickly, uh, he's, he's referring back to the old law, right? Old law, talking about circumcision, and saying, hey, you, you were circumcised Contrast that with the old law, with the circumcision made without hands. It's made without hands. And that was done by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So this is, sometimes, I think, I, from what I'm hearing, is that folks think, oh, this baptism is... is is like the New Testament equivalent of circumcision then. And I, I would say no, it, it's definitely not that. Why? Because baptism is done very much with hands, right? But this circumcision is done by Christ, right? This isn't, I, I don't, if I was to baptize somebody, it's not me putting the Holy Spirit in them, right? I'm not the one performing the circumcision made without hands, obviously, right? I'm just the one that's dunking them in the water. It's Christ that's doing these other things. He's doing the, 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 the material effects here during one's baptism. So it's, I think it's important to note and not conflate these two concepts here. Uh, putting off the body of the sins of the flesh. And he's going to come back around to this. But this notion that you've got this body of sins of the flesh, or just kind of abbreviate body of, of flesh that's uh, sinful in nature, and that this is what you're going to put off. Uh, I've looked at some other versions on that verse 12 entry there, and they say, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him 
So this putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh is uh, coming from this notion of death. And this is how this body is put off. It's not, you're not get, getting rid of your literal body, but he's talking about the body of the sins of the flesh. So this sinful man, this, this body that is subject to the law of sin and death is being put away with. It's, it's being crucified and killed and buried and left there, dead, because you were buried with Christ in baptism. So if you want to know, well, how, you know, how, do, I, how do I get you know, this old person, how, how do I put that, that old sinful self in the grave? Well, you're buried with Christ. Isn't that a wonderful thought? That you can be buried with Christ and subsequently also raised with Christ to walk you know, in newness of life. And that's done through baptism. Through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Now, I want to pause right there, and, and I want to note that, do I have, I don't think I have that. I'm going to lose my place there. I, I want to note that in this passage, which is very typical, I think, of some of the writings of Paul, we have a, a lot of density, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of stuff packed in to just a few lines of text. And one of the things I want to point out here is that we have in this little short excerpt here, uh, we have, you know, putting off the body of the sins of the flesh, right? The circumcision of Christ. We have burial with baptism, uh, in burial with Christ in baptism, <clears throat> being raised with Christ, you know, coming up out of the baptism. So you've got the baptism, and you've got faith, and you've got the working of God all in this one passage. And that's a lot. And what stands out to me is that Paul is not, Paul is mixing them all together and that they're all mutually compatible and that, in fact, they, they plug together. They all work together. They're not mutually exclusive. And these ideas are not mutually incompatible. Buried with him in baptism, through faith in the working of God. Right? So is, is Paul saying that, well, no, you can't, don't, don't confuse baptism with anything to do with salvation because that's a work and work is by grace. Yeah, or, or works are contrary to grace. No, he's not saying that here at all, is he? In fact, he's saying that works are part of this. But who's doing the working? It's God, right? Verse 12. You're buried with him in baptism, baptism in which you also were raised with him. Through what? How, how do people talk, talk, typically talk about it? You're saved by grace through faith, right? It's faith. And salvation is you're saved by faith. Well, 
Is that mutually exclusive from baptism? Evidently not. Now, people will, will, will pontificate, and they'll say, well, it seems to me that if, and then, then we go down these, these roads of pulling in external ideas, or we pull in men's own reasoning. We pull in our own rationale to things. But here we have all three in the same sentence from Paul, right? We have baptism, we have faith, and we have works. But the works aren't from us. The working, the power, is from God. And they're all together. Who raised Jesus from the dead. And that's a beautiful thought, really. We, I don't want to get hung up on some of the doctrine and lose the beauty and the, the wonderfulness of this idea that you have the pro, you, you, we all have or had a problem with sin that we couldn't get away from. There's no hope until Jesus shows up and he becomes the hope. And we can be buried with him and that old life has gone away. It's gone. I mean, it's not just like, yeah, you know, I moved cities. I moved towns, right? It's, it's gone. <laughs> You're, that life is gone. It's dead. You've buried it. And you've been raised not just on your own. You've been raised with Christ. You were buried with Christ and you were raised with Christ. You just can't seem to get over how awesome that is. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, which he's not talking about, you know, a physical reality here, but referring back to that um, circumcision made without hands, which is putting off the body of the sins of the flesh. He's referring, pulling that concept back in here. He's talking about before that, you were, you were dead in your trespasses. You know, and the opposite of that being circumcised uh, with circumcision made without hands is that you were uncircumcised. You had this body of flesh of sins and, uh, you know, that's what you lived in and were trapped in. And he has made alive, God has made alive together with Christ, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, uh, which was contrary to us, and has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Um, so, boy, we're burning time fast here, aren't I? So th this top concept, buried with him in baptism, raised with him through faith, working of God, circumcision, made without hands, all together, those, those few verses there bring us to these passage, this passage here, right? He has made us alive together with him. That's how we got there. We went from, you know, you were dead in your trespasses, but now because you went through that, that circumcision made without hands, right, that Christ performs, right, this... Uh, burial and resurrection uh, through faith in the working of God that he performs during the baptism, 
that brings us into we're made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Right? So if all we got to, this isn't complicated. All we got to do is just sort of slow down and read these verses. And we see, oh, okay, yeah, I, I go from here into here. Right? I go from going through the baptism and receiving the circumcision, the working of God, into being made alive together with him. Forgiveness, wiped out the handwriting of requirements, uh, and has nailed it to the cross. And there's, there's more, there's so much to be said in here when we have to keep moving on. Um, having disarmed, so after, upon nailing it to the cross, which there's a, a, that's a good reference back to Galatians 3. We do not have time for that. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Which, again, brings us back to this preeminence of Christ, Right? Who's, who's in charge here? Who's in control? Who has the power? It's Christ. He has disarmed these principalities and these other powers. And there's a lot of um, you know, uncertainty as to what exactly the, goes on in the spiritual realm. And we get a little window of that here and there in the scriptures, but we don't really get a full picture. And he talks about that, uh, you know, beware. <laughs> the person that comes out thinking, telling you that, hey, this is how everything works. In this, this is, you know, we got all this kind of hierarchy, and these are the names, and this is how this is their jobs and their orders, and watch out for that. You know, it's easy to get sucked into that because it sounds interesting, but it's not helpful to us. Paul writes. So I'd like to read Revelation chapter twelve, verse ten here, because this is what comes to mind. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. I want to tie that back here. Because Revelation 12 brings us a little bit of that glimpse is that the accuser, Satan, was standing before God accusing God's people day and night. And we just want to think about that just for a second because that's all we got this constant accusation, this constant finger pointing at us day and night, 24-7, 365, it never stops, it's just incessant. And there was a lot of, there was, there was truth in it, which is a crazy thing, right? That, that we were guilty. But they, but he was cast down, they overcame him. He, the accuser was overcome by what? By the power of the blood. Of Christ. That's the disarming, the principalities and the powers. This ar- disarming is this notion of, of being stripped. And maybe, and maybe the Colossians here would recognize or associate that with what the Romans 
would on, on sometimes do with their victories. They would lead the remaining soldiers back, stripped of their armor and weapons, in a big victory parade. Being made a public spectacle of. So, this is the conclusion to all of that. So don't let anyone judge you in food or drink. <laughs> it almost sounds small now, doesn't it? And it's supposed to. And, you know, these rules and regulations that people make up, right? And, we, and if there's something about us, I guess, what we want to do that. We want to make up our own little set of checkboxes that we can check off and then feel good about ourselves. Oh, I've done this, you know, and maybe it's different for each one of us, I don't know, but we don't really have exactly what these laws and regulations were that the Colossians were being told they had to adhere to. I mean, we can infer, read between the lines, that circumcision was one of them and some other, uh, other things, but we, not spe specified. Why not? It's because it can change, right? It can change from generation to generation or from culture to culture, country, nation, continents, but the, but, the same, but the same idea is true, is that we're getting um, caught up in little things that we made up on our own. And he says, so let no one judge you. Don't let anyone accuse you. Don't let anyone, this term is like, rule over you. Why is that significant? Because they made up their own rules. <laughs> in food or in drink, regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come. There's the Jewish traditions and the Jewish laws, especially, there was a lot of good stuff to be learned from there and for us still. And he said, those are the shadows of things to come. That's what those were, just shadows the substance or the body is of Christ. So you get this, this image of a shadow. I'm trying to cast a shadow right now. It's real faint, though, on the floor. And you can study this shadow, and you can look at me, and you can get an idea of what I, you know, kind of what I look like. And, and if I turn this way, my shadow's a little bit different, but you get a little bit more information that way, right? <clears throat> but the substance of the body is of Christ. He's talking about the body is the thing casting the shadow, Right, that's, that's the real thing that the shadow is kind of an image of, a two-dimensional, uh, incomplete picture of, is the, the real thing, which is Christ. Again, it all comes back to Christ. And this is where we have that, again, that fourth warning, let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head. So this idea of, of uh, cheat you of reward, taking delight in false humility and the worship of angels. I, I was reading that the, some of the, um, the, the rationale the, the logic, if you will, is that, you know, God is, a, God is a holy God, right? You go, yeah. 
And, you know, we, people, just any people just can't go up to God because he's holy, right? Well, right. So wouldn't it, and, and God, loves, God loves it when we're humble, right? He, he likes people to be, you know, humble, to have humility, right? Yeah, that's right. So wouldn't it be better? If instead of, you know, being audacious enough and arrogant enough to pray directly to God, we pray to the angels. Oh, well, and then they can take it to God because God, God has always had them in his presence. Well, I, I, I suppose, I, I, I think I can see how that made, makes sense. No, <laughs> Paul says, no, don't do that. We are complete in Christ. We have been reunited with God. His Spirit is in us, right? Christ is in us. Let's not throw that away. Intruding into things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, not, this is the real error, not holding fast to the head. From whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is from God. This, this is the real key, right? The, the key problem is that he's not holding fast to Christ. To the head, right? He, he's looking to, to grab on to something else because the head doesn't feel, you know, solid enough. He thinks there's something else to be had reaching for something. I mean, if you've got a hold of something good and solid, you think, well, I'm going to reach over here and grab, you know, this, you know, piece of tissue paper to hang on to as well. No. <laughs> but that's, that's the kind of image that I see here. And by not holding fast to the head, which is Christ, you get this idea that they're severing themselves from the head. And of course, there's no life then, right? Because all the life comes from the head, from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. And uh, that connects back to, to the second verse of this chapter, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, attaining to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God. Uh, both of the Father and of Christ. All right, let's keep moving on here. Therefore, if you died with Christ, going back to those, you know, chapter, uh, verse 12 and 13 above, if you died with Christ, how did we, how did we die with Christ? You know, we, we put off the body of sin, and flesh and buried with him, right, in baptism. If you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why? As, as if you're still living in the world, unchanged, do you subject yourselves to regulations, those same old things, right? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. All of which, he says, concern things which perish with the using. They, they get used up. according to the commandments and doctrines of men. And that's, that's the big difference there. 
These things, he continues, have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. I'd like to read from uh, John chapter 6, 27. Actually, 26. And Jesus said to him, this is right after uh, Jesus feeds the 5,000. And he's, they, they, they've come back and say, hey, how did you get here? And he says, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Jesus says, but don't labor for the food which perishes, which gets used up. Don't labor for that, but instead labor for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on them. And then later, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. So Jesus is, is telling them in this passage, hey, you, you know, I, I fed you, and I know that's why you're here, because I fed you, and I want you to think about that. You're here, you're following me around because I'm feeding you. He says, don't work for the, don't, don't work, don't follow me around for the food which perishes. Follow me around for the food that doesn't perish. That I will give you. <laughs> Focus your minds on that. And so we have that same concept being repeated here in Colossians. Do, you know, all of these things do not touch this food, do not taste, don't handle. All this, it gets used up. And it's according to the doctrine and commandments of men. He says these things have an appearance of wisdom. So in appearance, they, they, they look like, you know, like it's a smart thing to do on the surface. Self-imposed, again, we're making up our own rules, right? Self-imposed religion, self-imposed humility, self-imposed neglect of the body. But are of, in, in reality, all those things, Paul writes, there's no value. There's, there's no value in those things against the indulgence of the flesh. I'm seeing if there's anything else that I just absolutely can't live without having told you tonight. Because <laughs> we are over time. No, that's it. I, I think I can make do with that. Uh, but that does leave us with a pressing question then, right? If all of those things are of... No value, you know, what is it, how does he put it? No value against the indulgence of the flesh. There's, if there's no value in that, okay, Paul, what, what is valuable for that? You know, what does have value in helping against the indulgence of the flesh? Tune in to next time in two weeks when we will answer that question with chapter 3, if you want to get a head start. <laughs> um, that wraps it up for tonight. If you are here, 
if you have not been buried with Christ and raised to walk anew with him uh, to get all of those blessings, all, all of those benefits which we talked about um, made alive together with Christ, forgiveness of all your trespasses, uh, wiped out the handwriting of requirements, uh, nailed it to the cross. Wonderful benefits. If you're here tonight and um, have not been baptized with Christ, now is the opportunity. What are you waiting for? Be baptized and wash away your sins. So you can do that and come forward here tonight as we stand and sing. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.